Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. got your Bibles, turn to the book of um, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. How many of you, and you're going to probably hear this again Sunday if you're here, but how many of you understand that um, when you get saved... That's called the new birth, okay? You're born again, and although that you have everything inside, and the Holy Spirit comes in you, he empowers you to live this Christian life, and, uh, uh, but there's, there's still some stuff in all of us that has to be, we're going through a process called sanctification, which means that you haven't fully arrived yet. You, you're not there, that every day, that's why we do our disciplines. We call them spiritual disciplines, prayer, reading, uh, worship. Worship is giving back to God what he first gave to us. I believe that breathing unto him. Everything that I do is unto the Lord. Um, and, but we, we do it. We practice our disciplines on a daily basis because we look to renew our minds. Our minds, if your mind doesn't get re- renewed, then what I'm talking about when it, to- when it pertains to healings and miracle signs and wonders and manifestations of God's presence, you listen to that and you're like, oh, that's just rhetoric because... If, it, if your mind doesn't get renewed on a daily basis, it automatically results to a spiritual default, which is carnality. We're, we're carnal. We're of the flesh. When I get saved, yes, I'm saved, but then that begins a process of sanctification. And none of us have arrived. We haven't been made complete yet. We haven't stood before Jesus and him say, well done. So we're becoming more like him on a daily basis, or we should desire to. So what happens is, is when we come to Jesus and we get saved... We have some areas of our life, and I really, I'll, I'll dig down a little bit deeper onto the, into this on Sunday, but we have areas of our life that are still under an influence, and we're looking to see every area of our, in, of our lives under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Yes, He's in my heart, but maybe I still say some things. Maybe I still have some actions. You should change when you get saved. You shouldn't go right back to the same old things. There should be a, a, a conviction from the Holy Spirit that is actually directing your heart to desire to be like Him. He's holy. So I want to become holy as He is holy. So I have to leave some people alone. I've got to stop going some places. I stop watching some things. I stop saying some things. And the list could go on and on and on. And Paul lists those in Scripture. But it's important to understand that you know your enemy because it's that's why we want to become like Jesus is because we want to understand the authority we carry so that when the enemy does come, and he will, when he does come, that we know his tactics, and I'll read into that. So Acts chapter 13, and I want to look at verses uh, 40 and 41, um, and it says this. It's actually a prophetic word that I'm going to be reading. Uh, in verse 40, it says, Therefore, see that 
the thing spoken of in the prophets does not come upon you. And this is verse 41. It's a thing. Look, you scoffers, and be astonished and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. Now, Paul is describing in this setting of Scripture, and uh, he's describing the book of Habakkuk, and I'm going to flip over there and read that really quick. Um, for those of you that maybe you've never read in the book of Habakkuk, and maybe you were taught that it was Habakkuk. I don't know. I don't know what you were told as you were growing up, but um, Habakkuk, if you would put that Scripture up, and I want to read this. This is what Paul is reading, and I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory. Now, understand, he's referring to demons in this setting of Scripture. So here we go. It says, verse 5, look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days. You would not believe it if it were told to you. And uh, do you have the next Scripture, Lynn? Is it up there right behind that in verse 6? If you don't, that's okay. I'll, I'll just read it right here. It says, uh, Verse 6, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that grim and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to take possession of dwelling places that are not theirs. Does that sound familiar uh, of anything in New Testament? The scripture says, when Jesus said that when a demon comes out of a man, it goes through dry and arid places looking for a place to dwell, and when it doesn't find any, it comes back to the man that it come out of and finds the house empty, clean, swept, and put in order. That's very important to understand, and it comes to dwell in the man. That's where I'm going. Now, when I talk about the, Chal- the Chaldeans tonight, I know that's something that maybe is like, I don't even understand. They, they typify and speak to, they speak to, uh, in Old Testament, they're a type and shadow of demons in the New Testament, all right? How many of you understand that demons are real? Everybody in the room, you understand that. Um, we, we've, we've encountered them in different, different times. Uh, when we were in the Philippines, we, we've, it, certain situations throughout my life, uh, here in our region, uh, even whenever we were in the Philippines, we saw uh, quite a few manifestations and, and dealt with those. It was, it was, uh, and, and you don't have to scream at them. You, you come in the name of your father. You understand that you walk in union and intimacy with Jesus, but you also have a dominion and authority in your father and you speak and you command and they have to leap and they will. They have to obey what you say. You're walking in relationship with the Lord. Now, this is an interesting setting of Scripture that I'm talking about tonight because in the book of Acts, Paul is describing the Chaldeans. He reads, he's based, these Scripture, if you have a cross-reference in your Bible, these reference and they, they come back and forth. And so Paul is reading this, and if you know anything about the Chaldeans, they were utterly destroyed. They weren't conquered, they were destroyed in 539 B.C., so much so that Jeremiah 50 says that there would be none left. And uh, Paul says, see that the things spoken by the prophets doesn't come on you. There are no more literal Chaldeans whenever Paul is telling them in this moment. So what is it that he could be speaking of? In Old Testament, I just read you verse 6, that they go throughout the earth looking to seek and destroy, right? So skeptics of Paul's day would have said, oh, wait a second. Paul's crazy. He ought to know. The people that knew Scripture would have said, well, Paul... Are you crazy, Paul? The Chaldeans were wiped out back when. Do you not know that? But uh, the skeptics in our day might be saying, wait a second. 
that guy, AJ's up there talking about demons. There's no such thing as demons. Are you kidding me? There's no such, I mean, you can close your eyes and say there's not one, and there's not any, but they, they're, they're very real. They're very, uh, some of us have encountered some of these things. So um, they, they come to try to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. So again, I'm mirroring the Chaldeans in this whole process. So demons are, Chaldeans are the demons, in the, uh, uh, a type of demon in the Old Testament. So here's a few things about them. So I want you to know your enemy tonight. All right, we move deeper into this revival. We start wading off deeper into waters, and we start seeing people get transformed and saved, and the power of God flowing. Um, understand, your enemy doesn't like trans- transformation. He wants to see them come back. Now, we talk to believers because they're coming after believers. Now, it's nothing we fear, all right? You understand? We just know that they're studying every move that we make. I'm not trying to glorify demons. I'm trying to bring a revelation to some of us to understand. Watch what we do. Watch what we say. Watch how, where we go. Those that we interact with, doors that could be opened. It's very vital and very important. So here's a few things about them. The first thing about demons, here we go. You ready? The first thing is they are thieves. The scripture says, uh, says Satan, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All right, now, if I could translate that in a different way, the work of Satan is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not your friend. That's a very common statement that everybody should know. Here's another thing about Satan. He's not omnipresent. A lot of people think, well, the devil's at my house today. Satan has showed up on my... No, I'm sorry. He's not. He's not omnipresent. He's only one being. Only God is omnipresent. Well, it's, it's, it's God versus Satan. No. God could blow, and he could be disintegrated in just a moment, all right? Let's fix that right now. We always see the corny Facebook post where Jesus and Satan are like arm wrestling, you know what I'm saying? And it's crazy, and people's like, if you don't share this, then you don't love Jesus. You know what I mean? I know y'all sleepy. I get it's been a hot day, and a lot of you have been whatever. But uh, that, that is, I'm telling you, that I, I believe, and this may be a statement that some may struggle with, but I believe that God uses Satan as a chess piece on his board to use it for our good. Now, I, I, that may mess with people. I just know that God sees the ultimate picture, and he wants his children to serve him out of decision, not out of we have to do this. It's out of love and relationship, okay? All right? He knows every move. Nothing catches God by surprise. So they're thieves. Satan is on, not omnipresent. Um, and, and Psalms 83 Psalms 83, and I'm going to read this really quick. 83 verses 1 through 4, it says, Oh God, do not remain quiet, do not be silent, and do not be still. For behold your enemies, and that's referring to, uh, I believe it's, if we could put it in our context, referring to the, the enemies, the demons, make an uproar, and those who hate you have exalted themselves. Obviously, you know that's Satan's downfall. He was prideful. It says, they make shrewd plans against your, next verse, People and conspire together against your treasure ones. They have they have said, "Come, let us wipe out as a nation the name of Israel uh, to be remembered no more." And and if we go to verse twelve, do you have verse twelve? There it is. Now, when the unclean, no, 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 wait, 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 no, 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 we're missing verse twelve. Is it not there? If I have to get it, I'll get it. Psalm eighty three verses twelve. Nope, it's not there. All right, so I got to read this. I thought it was in the notes. One second. Psalm 83, verse 12, because this ties everything together. It's, and this is the enemy that says that, who said, let's possess for ourselves the houses of God. Now, what does that sound like? The enemy comes to wipe us out. And it goes on to say in verse 12, their desire is to possess the houses of God. 
Any spirit, you've heard me teach on this previously, any spirit that is upon the planet that does not have a physical body, it's illegal. It's not supposed to be here, right? They look to gain uh, um, approval at your word. Whatever you say, whatever you okay, whatever you tolerate, they look for that as an open door. And all you have to do is give it a... Let me... Let me put this analogy to you. Would anybody in, our, in this house, in their right mind, if there was someone, just make it blatant, there's a robber that shows up on your doorstep with a ski mask, and they're, they're decked out in black with a crowbar. I don't know. Just, just go with the, the, the atypical uh, robber. And they showed up at your doorstep, and you look through the peephole, and you see them standing there. Who in the world would unlock the door and leave it cracked and walk away? No. I don't think anybody would. I know that's very overt and very like, uh, yeah, no, we wouldn't do that. But that's what so many of us do when we open the door to certain things. The, the enemy, he's not your friend. He doesn't come to, he's not coming, he, he wants to compromise. He tries to find a way to get, get you comfortable with him around them. That way they can gain more authority. And eventually you won't know it, you're numb to it, and then you've opened the door and they come in to completely steal, kill, and destroy. All right? So they come for the believers. Not coming for the unbelievers, they've already got those, right? So... Let me read the name. Now, this is a dictionary name for, uh, for, for the Chaldeans because I'm bringing the comparison. Chaldeans, and this is what it says. It's an exhaustive dictionary of Bible names. As it were demons, the root is to lay waste, to destroy their wanderers. All right? So that's, when we read Chaldeans in Scripture or Chaldeans in Scripture, that's what they are. So, Again, I just read a little bit ago, and, I, and I'll read it one more time. It's the NRSV, if I could just read it in this, in this translation. It says, Jesus was speaking. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it wanders. There it is, the Chaldeans. Through waterless regions looking for a resting place, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to the house which it came from. When it returns, it finds it empty. So believers get saved. We get saved. We come to Jesus. We lay down our lives. But yet... We don't fill it with anything. Our houses are empty. They're swept. Everything's put in order. And, and, it go, and Jesus goes on to say, then it brings, it says, oh, we've got this. Bring seven more, more wicked than him. And they enter and live, and the last state of the person is worse than the first. And so that's, so it is with us. Why is it that we as believers, we're so nonchalant with what's happening right now? In your time, and it, you'll never be here again. Like, think about that for just a moment. What are you doing with the time that you've currently got right now? The enemy's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm bringing your attention to those things. It, we have to be, the scripture, I think it was First Peter. Peter talked about, he said, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, uh, Satan, is like a lion, roaring, seeking whom he may devour. Now, you understand that the older lions, they, they can't hunt anymore, so the lionesses go and hunt for them or the younger lions. And all he has to do is look big and bad. He's lost most of his teeth. He just roars. And the, and the enemy turns and runs back into the hands of those. But the scripture says, be sober. Some of us need to hear that. <laughs> Don't be drunk with wine, but where is an excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, I want to fill myself with God things. Obviously, the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized in the fire of God, but also filling myself spiritually, teachings, reading. I'm telling you, get in Scripture. Make it a, well, Pastor, you just don't. I'm going to take Bill Johnson's quote because I think it's very important. People say, I just struggle. I just can't. I fall asleep. Well, first off, Bill said, 
How many times has your kid crawled up in your lap and you're having a conversation, they fell asleep, that you got so mad, I can't believe they fell asleep on me. No, you were loving on that baby. I'm just telling you. you tell my kids, now they don't do it much anymore. I'm loving on my children. There's, there's, there's the first thing. You're trying, all right? The second thing, well, I don't understand when I read. Here's his quote about that. Well, I don't remember what I ate last Tuesday morning, but it nourished me. So your spirit is being fed. You're filling yourself. You're filling that house. You understand that there's a lot of people that says, I am the church. We are the church. That's right. I'm the temple. I get it. But then we gather in a temple because God does supernatural. Did you feel what was in worship a while ago? Man, that's tangible. Why would we not want to gather with our people? I love gathering with people that I really don't know well and watching them worship. That, I mean, I love seeing my people worship, but I love watching others worship as well. I believe the gathering of the saints is God does something in the room, in, in the gathering of the local assembly that, that doesn't happen at your home by yourself. I'm just saying, all right? Leave it at that. I was raised in church, all right? So my whole life. I went to church every time the doors were open. I know some of y'all was like that, but I was. So that's the importance of a lifestyle of intimacy with God is filling myself with godly things. All right, I can keep moving. Um, <clears throat> So Jesus tells them here in this scripture, he says, look, if you continue in my word, then you're truly my disciples. We have to continue in something. When I say I'm following you, Jesus, it's a continual daily process, all right? You're becoming more like him. And, and for those that actually step in, they're, sa- they're saved, but then all of a sudden they don't feel themselves. They walk out. They go back right into bondage because the process of sanctification, right? Become more like him. They reject that. Go back out into the world system. And the bondage is worse than previous. That's scripture. Why would we do that? All right. So Chaldea at the time of of the Bible records. They were the, the, the size of that nation was about 40 miles wide. About the size of the state of New Jersey. 40 miles wide. Um. They were never conquered until they were destroyed. That's what's going to happen with demons. They're, they're, it, we may run them out. We know that they're, and we get, you know what I'm saying? We expel them, whatever, from our houses, from, from our personal lives and situations. But we understand there's a day that they will be destroyed. All right? You with me? Um, God said, when my purpose is finished with them, then I'll destroy them. The enemy always thinks he has the upper hand in our lives, but God always sees the bigger picture in every situation that we come into. And he waits for his children that has his spirit to begin to speak on, on his behalf so that he can act and move. Some people say, why do I have to declare and pray and speak? Because when you open your mouth, things begin to happen. Because I, I wish I could go deeper into that. The physical body is so important in prayer. All right. The Chaldeans were conquered by Babylon, or they conquered Babylon and Syria. And many of you, I'm talking a lot of Bible stuff right now, but I want to give you some backstory. But Nebuchadnezzar, how many of you remember him? All right. Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean. And many of us know, if I go into Daniel, three Hebrew boys, all right? We know them as their Chaldean names, but their Hebrew names were Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah. They come under the influence of this nation because the people of Israel rejected. They would fall into uh, all sorts and types of idolatry, give themselves up to to the spirit of the age. Well, God would raise up, and in this situation, he raised up the Chaldeans. He allowed them to come in and afflict to where they would turn, but they went into bondage. So when Nebuchadnezzar came in the book of Daniel, he took two things. Are you ready? I'm going to lay these out to you. This may struggle with some of you. He took two things. 
He took the tithe and the next generation. The enemy is not coming. Oh, it's just a little bit, Pastor AJ. You know, I mean, it's, it's all right. He's coming for your generation. He's not looking for just you. He's looking for generations. Right now, and I know this sounds legalistic, but I feel this. What is happening in our nation uh, is, is toleration from previous generations that has resulted in a complete celebration of sin. And so that's why I'm saying us in the church, we have to make sure that we're approaching every situation that we're in in prayer, seeking God for discernings of spirits, understanding that the enemy is looking to reap our generation. Not just you, but future and next generations. So this is how the enemy came against the children of Israel when he took them into bondage. He, he did this. Let me, let me read this really quick. So Daniel 1, if you want to take your Bibles and flip to that, Daniel 1, Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, the Chaldean. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels. He brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of the officials, to bring some of the sons of Israel. There's the next generation. Including some of the royal family, those that had influence, and of the nobles, youths. In whom there was no defect, who were good looking. There'd be a lot in this room that got to it, right? Showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had the ability for serving the king's court. And he ordered them, listen, he ordered him to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. What have we been talking about the, the, uh, about the Chaldeans? The king appointed for them a daily ration for the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank. So I'm about to give you something. I don't think I'm going any further because I don't think I got time for it. I'll give it to you at another point. I'd love to preach more on this, but I, I want to honor time tonight. So here in this setting of scripture, we see two things, the tithe of the next generation. Here's what the enemy came against the children of Israel when he took them into the bondage. Ready? We see, it, this is laced all without Old Testament to New. Ready? What they put into their mind... Which is what you see, you try to make yourself smart. Number two, what they put into their body. So what they put into their mind, the lust of the eye. What they put into their flesh, the lust of the flesh. And what belonged to God, the pride of life. First John lays it out and says, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are where, uh, whenever Nebuchadnezzar came in and took over, these are the three areas that he began to take, and he did it through the Chaldeans. Here's the thing. Any area of your life, maybe specifically right now that God is highlighting, understand that demons are squatters. They like to go in and set up on the backside of your property and just squat and stay. They don't want to go anywhere. They're, they're going to stay. And so the first thing that we understand is that, that, that um, demons, the, the enemy, they're, they're, they're thieves. The second thing is that they're vicious. They're vicious, and I don't think I'm going to get to point three, and so this will be it. They're vicious. Satan never has, a, if you don't hear anything else tonight, let me just give you this. I don't want you to check out on me. Satan never has a merciful moment. He don't. 
Think about whenever he strikes the hardest. When, when we have these moments in our life when tragedy strikes, when you're at your weakest point, when something's happened in the family, when does an enemy show up? In that moment, begins to attack the mind, begins to attack the body through sickness, begins to attack the finances, begins to attack the relationships. He finds whatever way he can slide himself into, and he will begin to afflict. And it's important for you to know. Zechariah chapter 3. Actually, Ezekiel 22 and 27, let me just read something really quick to you. It says, its officials within it are like wolves, tearing prey, shedding blood, uh, destroying lives to get dishonest gain. It's, uh, it's interesting that the Chaldeans are mentioned here in Ezekiel as wolves. And you go on to read through Habakkuk 1. This is really interesting stuff, um, but it, it refers to them and how it speaks to them. Zephaniah 3.3, 3, the officials within it are roaring lions. Its judges are evening wolves. Isn't, isn't that interesting? How many, let me ask you a question. How many of us have our weakest moments in the night? <laughs> the weakest moments. You can't sleep at night. You wake up. The best thing for you to do is begin to pray or read scripture. Oh, how many you understand? I'm telling you, that's when scripture speaks to whenever they begin to feed. I want to read you something here um, uh, about wolves. Acts 20 and 29 says, Paul says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. They're coming. All right? Let me read you this. This is a study that someone did on wolves. It says, the Lord did not teach us about predators to teach animal control or children's fables. Wolves and sheep cannot coexist. When wolves appear most casual, listen to this, when wolves appear most casual and innocent, even interesting to watch, they are studying you, sizing you up for the attack. The more indifferent they seem, the more serious the danger. They are preparing for the pack attack. The more comfortable they appear, the more deadly they are. The reason why sheep and wolves can't coexist is because there's not a shepherd. If there's a shepherd, they, they, they tuck tail and run. Wolves watch for the, they, they watch and wait for the weak ones. I would not want to be on the fringe of the church. I would want to be on the, on, the, on the outskirts. I'd be the one, if I'm the one, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, let me just slide right in here, get into the middle of the pack. Get, I want to be right in the middle of the house. Because it's important to understand and know your enemy. And, in, and, and I'm serious. In a lot of our situations in our lives, and it can come in in subtle moments, maybe there's something that we've allowed into our lives. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something that we tolerate and watch on television. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. I know we could use the X factor and whatever it is in your life. Well, but that's just the way that it is. How did you first feel about that when it first started? Well, there was a check, but somebody just told me, oh, you're just overreacting. No, your spirit was blinking and flashing like, stop. Get that out. Remove yourself. Because I'm telling you, the deeper that we desire to go into revival in July, I'm telling you. Oh, my goodness. i got to read a word to you. July is a month for us. It's, it's a hinge month. It's a pivotal month for us. We have to make sure that we don't have something squatting in our lives we got to make sure that we remove those things that have no business being there. And, and don't, don't compromise. Any area of your life where you're compromising, because I'm telling you, the enemy is coming in um, t- 
to find a weak spot, find a weakness within you so that he can attack and get a way in. There has to be rapid repentance within your life. There has to be a tender heart, and there has to be an open spirit. Do I need to say that again for some of you? There needs to be rapid repentance. Father, forgive me. I want everything that you've got to me. I want everything that you've got for me. There needs to be a tender heart in, in me. Father, I, I, I'm open. I'm not going to be offended regardless of what they say about me, what they think about me. I don't care. And there needs to be an open spirit. God, what do you want to do next in me? Three things, three areas for us to move deeper, to wade out deeper into this. Are are y'all with me tonight? To move and go deeper. Satan never has a a merciful moment. AJ, if you would, I'm going to wrap this up right here. He never has a merciful moment. He never has a time where he gives you a break or lets up. He's constantly accusing the brethren day and night. And... It's important to understand and to know in this season, especially we as a church, like if you feel like that you're on the fringe, if you're just kind of, I'm in and I'm out in my relationship with the Lord, or even if it's just, hey, on the fringes of the church, come in. Can I be the shepherd tonight and just invite you to come in close? Get on, get on board with us. We're moving somewhere. Don't see it as something like, don't, don't think that, What's going on around us right now is trivial things. Don't take it as trivial. Last thing about the Chaldeans is it's when you do a study on them, what you'll find is they, they were very cunning. Um, they would hide in marshes and they were expert archers. So what they would do is wait for their enemy to come, and as they would begin to tread through the marsh, slow the, slowing them down, wearing them down, because that's what the enemy wants to do is wear you out. When he would catch them wearing down, getting stuck in the marsh, that's when they would take the bow and strike every enemy or strike their enemy. So if you feel like you're in that place tonight, and maybe God's highlighting, showing you some things. Listen, know your enemy. He's not, he's not coming. Maybe he does offer offer it's kind of like the everything, not everything that glitters is gold. He's offering you something that looks beautiful. Don't compromise. Don't be lulled to sleep in the lap of Delilah. Once you stand to your feet. Father, I pray right now over our house, over our people. God, that you would open our eyes to see. Even as Paul began to preach on that day. And begin to pull a scripture from Old Testament about a people that had already been destroyed. But he was speaking of being being aware of what's happening around us. Help us to see what's going on right now in our lives. Anything where the enemy would like to bring destruction. Because he's come, they're coming to kill, steal, and destroy. They want to divide and conquer. They want to keep us from stepping into fullness. And I pray over our people tonight the name of Jesus, that Father, you would speak to their hearts, even as you've been speaking to my heart. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts. Let us stay tender. Come on, put your hand over your heart and just ask God, say, God, I pray for a tender heart. You're the potter and I'm the clay. I never want to, I don't, I never want my heart to become hard so that you can't use me. Any area of my life where I have opened a door, God, show me, speak to me. I want to be sober and vigilant. I want to be watching and aware. 
not just of what the enemy's doing, but God, I want to see what you're doing. I pray for awareness of your presence. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read a word. Um, I was, it was Wednesday morning, or Tuesday morning, and uh, this is what the Lord, I've already shared it with a lot of our leaders, but I just want to read this to y'all. This is what I was thinking, like, coming into the month of July, I'm just, it's not that I'm trying to get out of June, I'm just, I just know what God's speaking into this whole month of July, and the Lord began to speak to me, and I, I journaled it, he said, just as I rested on the seventh day, the seventh month, July, for my house will be a house or a month of refreshing for my people. It will be a season, season time of refreshing for all who have been diligent to enter my rest. I have heard the fervent supplications, that's like intense prayers, of my children and will release a fresh wave of my spirit. Get ready to receive my breath into your spirit, your soul, and your physical bodies. Only you must confess your receiving. In other words, God, I receive. I receive. Do not waver or grow weary in seeking. I reward those who are diligent to seek for me with all their heart. Guard your heart against distractions. For some will miss the refreshing because of the enemy's assignment of the urgent. Receive. And if I could say this last thing, the enemy will scream, life will scream, situations will scream at you, and it's so deafening. And your father whispers, and there's a reason for that, because he desires intimacy. He wants you close. So he's not going to scream above everything that's going on around you. He'll whisper, because he's letting you make that choice. I refuse to listen to the spirit of the age. I refuse to listen to the hustle and the bustle and the busy. Everybody's busy, but are we busy with what really matters? Are we making a lot of noise or are we doing what's really mattering? Are we actually following the will of God? So God's going to whisper. 